0: Coming Sundays, we, we wanted to be sensitive because we know a lot of our church—if you can believe it or not—are not here. Meaning, people that usually attend through the fall and the winter, um, they're not with us right now. They're gone, and um, so we're just trying to think about—you know—how many times we need to talk about this? Um, you know, there's social media too. A lot of people follow us on social media and the internet, and we're just wondering how do we go about unpacking this to a very large group of people so that we're not having to do it more than once. So if you could just bear with us, um, we are working on it, but be of good cheer. Um, God is going to still uh, do some amazing stuff in our midst. Um, we're just, as a leadership team, trying to discern uh, the path forward, um, uh, given some of the circumstances that have arra- uh, have come up in the contract phase of the Citizen Center. With that, I would like to pass the mic off to my better half. Uh, My lovely wife, Bethany.
1: So just two things. Briefly, the 110 intensive, I would just say if this is your home church and you kind of feel like you're called to run with us, you should participate in that. Because in order for you to have really clear vision and understanding Um, and even good foundation to move forward with us, it's very critical and it's key for you to be a part. If you don't feel like this is your home and your church family, um, but if you feel like God is going to send you or has called you to be a part of um, planting praying communities, planting churches, or being involved missionally, you want to be involved in this because it will help equip you and train you and envision you, and it will be a a wonderful resource for you. So you want to be involved with the 110 intensive. Um, But secondly, um, for those of you that may have participated in the Monday nights when my mother and some of her team came from the He Cares for Me ministry, they did like an inner healing and deliverance. um, I think it was like for Monday nights. Um, she also came from Mother's Day. We've had multiple people that have experienced ministry that have asked and said, how can I be trained? Um, and we, we definitely do have a need, even here in our church, for people to be trained. Um, so I think her maximum that she can take is 10 people through the weekend. Um, it's a Friday night. It's like 6 o'clock. I, I can get you all the details, but it's like 6 o'clock on a Friday night. And then it's like 10 to 6 on Saturday. We, so she's holding a special weekend specifically for our Hilltop community. It's going to be June 30th. Uh, through the July 1st, so it's uh, Friday the 30th and July 1st, uh, the Saturday. Um, I think right now there's six spots that are reserved and taken by people, so that leaves like four spots. I think. So if you're interested in being a part of that, it's basically you'll through the course of events you'll receive ministry. Um, but also, you'll be trained and equipped to minister to other people. Um, but if you're interested in doing that, you can come see me. I can give you her application. Um, you don't need a pastoral reference if you and I talk. Um, and I can give you all the rest of that information. So any other details? No? That's
0: good. Um, just follow our Facebook page, too, and always check us out on the web. You can keep um, up to date with everything that's happening in terms of he cares and Uh, cookouts and newcomers. They're all there. Just like us on Facebook. It's the best way to track with us. Amen. I know we've taken a long time, but without further ado, I'd like to invite my good friend and an elder in this church, Gary McDonald. You can put your hands together. So Listen, there's a lot that happened, obviously. A lot's going on within our community announcement-wise. We wanted to acknowledge our, our um, fathers in the house and bless them. So let's just hold on. Um, it's probably going to feel like a bit of a, uh, a longer service um, as it's now 11-11. Um, but it's going to be a good service. So you're going to want to stick around. Um, fathers with children, mothers with children, don't worry about them crying. We love crying infants. It's a sign of life. And we're grateful uh, to have these little ones with us. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for Gary. I thank you for this man. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that your heart, your words would rest upon him. God, in our hearts would be touched as a result. In Jesus' name, I pray.
2: Amen. Amen. Uh, good morning. As, as, um, as you um, probably know, if you've seen me speak before, I'm the PowerPoint guy. Uh, <laughs> So hopefully it works. I'm a little, um, I'm a little hopeful. Uh, spoke too soon. But yeah, you move over one. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about fathers today, and I. Um, I will. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a meandering route, so um, I'll I will um, preface that up front. And we're going to talk, you know, about fathers, you know, good, bad, and different. How we look at fathers, and there's a point to all this. And um, we're going to end at actually a pretty sober and serious place. And as I've been um, working through this message and thinking about it, even last night, I mean, the spirit of, of God is heavy upon me because I think where we're going to end up is really important. And um, We've, you know, we've been singing about it all morning long, but I just, sometimes I wonder if we actually are, are in touch with who our Father, God our Father is. So um, I've called this noun verb and all that and much more. It's not a great name, but I couldn't think of anything else, and I didn't feel like spending any more time on it. Um, but let's just start with the definition of Father. Okay, so there's actually two of them which come up. One is um, a man, I think it really is impo- even makes it even more important to get in touch with our Father. Who is in heaven? Um, but you know, this is this this goes to show you that you know it's it's a two way street. So let's talk a little bit about you know I got some well, I can't see him great, but there's some pictures here of kind of like fathers throughout time, right? So this is a um, uh, ancient father, you know virile, uh, the producer of children, uh, you know the the you know the, the real masculine um, uh, ideal of father. That's uh, Fred McMurray, if you can't see him here. He's the guy from My Three Sons, you know, stable, solid, a little boring. Um, just a, you know, dad who was solid, um, providing influence. Then we went through the 60s and 70s, and, um, you know, we there we, was we, this whole rebellion against authority, and we have dad as the lovable idiot, you yeah. uh, know, which is really a shame, but, um, you know, and to be clear, I laugh at all three of these guys, but it, it is there's some, there's something really kind of wrong about the premise at the bottom of it. Uh, and moving along, we've got you know dad as uh, the modern dad, Mr. Mom, again great, you know helping out more. You know if you, if you kind of follow this around, um, it's it shows you the, the sort of the range of views that the culture can have on fathers. And all this by way to say. This is all over the place, okay? This is all over the map. So if you're sitting around saying, you know, what's my view of, uh, of my father, a father, fathering, it's probably pretty confusing. Then you layer on top of that your own experience with your father, and uh, you can end up in a pretty uh, muddled and misunderstood place. So we get back to Freud, and he really took it to um, the, the, you know, the kind of the coup de grace, you know, he thinks at the bottom, God is just really how we feel about our father. Okay? And I think that's completely backwards. You know, completely backwards. You know, God is God. God is who he is. And us projecting onto him how our experience with our father is just wrong. And it's unhelpful. And, you know, to, to embrace this and say, yeah, you know, my view of God is, is really how I view my father. It's not a winning strategy, so why is this important? You know so we talk about you know important things like, yeah, so right, you know dad's important, our father, we say the prayer it's really important, really, really important, because uh, a w. Tozier, who I think probably everyone knows who a w Tozier is right, uh, an important uh, Christian uh, contemporary writer, and this would be a little bit hard to get through. But, you know, worship rises or falls with our concept of God. That is why I do not believe in these half-converted cowboys who call God the man upstairs. I do not think they worship at all because their concept of God is unworthy of God and unworthy of them. And if there is no one one terrible disease in the church of Christ, it is that we do not see God as great as he is. We're too familiar with God. So if your view of God is somehow colored by Homer Simpson, you're not in, you know, you're off track, Okay. And it's even more than that, as we're going to show you, is that that understanding a right view of God affects everything we do, especially, I would say, and I'm not sure we value this particular manifestation of God the way we should. So, um, you know, in in, in the uh, father lottery, my father's here today. Actually, I did really well. My, I had an exceptional father. Um, I have no complaints. Um, he was a blessing of my life when I was a, k- a kid, and he continues to be one. Uh, I understand everybody else um, uh, might not have the same experience, and maybe they do, but you know, my, my point today on Father's Day is uh, give, give God, give Dad a break, okay? So if, to the extent that we're projecting our view of God the Father onto our fathers, it's not really fair. I mean, I can't, I, per- I have, you know, I have five children, I'm not perfect, they can't worship me, I can't fulfill all of their needs. It, it, this is sort of a thought process, notwithstanding what Freud said, right? You've got to break that. It's a lie. Okay, so you know, I'm not going to read this, the, the, the verse, but in Isaiah 55, I think you all know it. You know His ways are so much greater than our ways. God the Father will always transcend man the Father, always. I don't think we're, we're just probably scratching the surface of what God the Father is really like. You know, a right view of the Father changes everything if um, we don't have a right view of god the father um, and we start to project our earthly experiences on this it becomes quite you'll see quite dangerous it's not a good way to think about this and this is i would say is core to the christian faith we've been talking about the basics Uh, we're going through a series called basics this is basic this is about as basic as it gets, and I'm going to show you a little bit about that. Because I, th- I think we don't quite grasp this. We don't quite grasp this. And don't concede to the culture or your personal experiences. If you walk away with anything now, we come through this, it's sort of like, take a step back. This is a worthwhile pursuit. and I'm going to talk a lot more about how you do that, but this is foundational and critical. It's really, I felt the the weightiness of god you know he, he kept me up all night long last night just that this is what you you know this is a, this is a message you need to receive our view of god as the father is essential essential to our well-being just just for what it's worth and now i'm not saying that other religions and this isn't a comparative religion thing other religions don't value fathers and don't have uh, you know and don't value g- good parenting and and um, and you know, taking good you know, good family hygiene and, and, and loving your children and taking care of them. But what we'll tell you is that our faith, the role of God the Father, is unique. It's something worth sort of thinking about. You know, Allah is not typically viewed as a father. It's just not. You know, there's ninety nine names for Allah, not one of them is father. Uh, the Hindu divine family is typically kind of extended, like just sort of fits the culture, but, you know, the, the deities, lots of them, and, and there's, there's not really this role of father. In Buddhism, actually, it's um, Buddha thought that, you know, Buddha was not necessarily a, a, a deity, but he thought, like, children got in the way, <laughs> kept him from enlightenment. So this, this view of the father is, um, is unique to our faith. And that shouldn't surprise anybody, actually, if you pay attention. Because if you read the Nicene Creed, you know, one of these, these foundational um, uh, texts of our faith, you know, thousands of years old, we, God has revealed himself and identified himself as a father. Okay? And, and, and that is unique. That is unique. There's something about that term, that attribute, that role that he has projected out to us it's not a coincidence. It's not like, oh, yeah, well, everyone is you know, the father of the faith, the father of the nations. This is something really, really a deep truth here. And you know, just in case you were wondering what the Trinity was, you know, it's three, three eternally co-equal and co-eternal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church, a lot of times, spends a lot of time, obviously, with Jesus. We are Christians, Jesus Christ. Uh, we love the Holy Spirit, makes the party fun, <laughs> comes. Uh, you know, pours himself out. Uh, um, but sometimes I wonder if we haven't really started to gloss over um, the role of God as the Father. And you, know, you, can, you can get a little bit of a view of, you know, if let's, we're going to go back to the Old Testament to start. You know, the Old Testament view of, of God the Father is, you know, pretty traditional. Patriarchal and, uh, you know, provider, protector, you know, God of justice and law. And you know you've got some verses in here, like, uh, but he's clearly there. Okay, so God has revealed Himself as the Father all through Scripture, all through Scripture. It is everywhere. It is intentional. It is a fundamental attribute of who He is. It is unique. It is special. It is different. And in Isaiah, you know, he says, you know, Oh Lord, you are our Father. And then if you go more into Isaiah, you have this other verse, which is, Oh Lord, you know, don't don't be furious, don't be furious. So a lot of people view um, the Old Testament. God as kind of an angry guy. This is from the Sistine Chapel. This is actually uh, God in Genesis, but um, a lot of people say, you know, God is so angry. Uh, you know, he just punishes people. And, you know, that's kind of unfair. There's also this view of, well, God is, he's good, but he's angry and he's a little unpredictable and I don't know what he's going to do. And, you know, maybe he's, you know, uh, he seems. You know, like he's a little bit of a hair trigger kind of thing. And so, again, we have these views of God. I just thought this was a funny picture of, um, you, know, the, the, you know, God, he's, he's safe, but he's not safe. <laughs> you know? And, you know, this, there's this, you know, again, the culture, even how we look at Scripture, we start to get this view of God. It's, you know, it, it can be all over the place, right? Okay, so God's angry. Well, God is violently opposed to injustice. You know, is that something that should draw us away from God? Should we be a little, you know, should we hold God in awe? And, you know, they say the beginning of wisdom is fearing God. There's a lot of wisdom to that. And and so there's, you know, something about this you have, you have to really take in. But you need to kind of keep pushing through. And as Christians, um, you know, we, we this, this view, as I mentioned, if you look at the Old Testament, just to finish the thought, you can't look at the Old Testament and say, well, that's the angry God. Because there are lots of examples in the Old Testament where you see God as very tender. In and, and Jeremiah, you see this. And actually, in Malachi, or in Malachi, as a friend of mine used to say. Um, the, uh, uh, the, um, here is a prophetic word in Scripture where God, the Old Testament angry God, talks about how important it is that for fathers and their children to be connected in heart. Okay, so this the idea that you just kind of oh God's angry, you know uh, I can't worship a God like that. I can't follow a God like that. I don't want to be in touch with that that manifestation of God. it's a cop out it's not you know it's not it's not it's not real it's 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 an attribute of God absolutely, but you need to push through that you need to keep plumbing and looking because when Jesus came, uh he just blows up the whole thing, okay so Jesus took what I would say. In the Old Testament, was always already a rich revelation of a tender but difficult to approach um, God as Father. You know, who who was, and a lot of those verse, verses verses obviously, excuse me, are geared toward the Israelites. But you know, he he he's you know his his essential attributes were already there, and then Jesus comes on board. And he just blows it up. The good news includes a couple of things. So you're you're all saved from your sins by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is great news. You know, we can all get behind that and say, yeah. The other thing I think sometimes we don't quite grasp as well is that Jesus makes a way to the Father. He opens a door. Okay, and I'm not gonna. We're not. We don't have time to to read it. But you know this concept of this supreme God from heaven, who wants to have this sort of relationship, and Jesus comes in and says, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna share who this guy really is. I'm gonna make a way, and if you've seen me, you've seen him. And it's you know it's it's an opportunity. It's an invitation to step into something. And if you if you really want to get, and it is so. It is so countercultural. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm way off here. It is really um, very, very, uh, a, a very. If you think about it actually in the context of when he delivered the message, and the, you know, the kind of the context of fathering when he was alive, it is Jesus was the most countercultural teacher of all time. And he, he just, he comes in and, and, and do yourself a favor. If you really want to understand um, what, you know, kind of what he is offering, and we're going to talk about a verse from Paul here in a second, read the parable of the prodigal son. Get a commentary on it. Get a commentary that explains how, you know, how people would have been scratching their head like the father did what? He did what? He was doing what? It'll blow your mind. You, you need. I mean, sometimes again, we're, we're not, we're, we need to get in touch with these things. That there's a there's an element of God as the Father, which is special to our faith. And and a lot of us, I don't think, are really really engaging with it. And I'm gonna we're gonna talk again in a little bit about why that's so important. But this this chapter here talks about, um, that you know, we did not receive a spirit of bondage, but a spirit of adoption. Okay. And so there's this concept in here that by coming through Christ Jesus, we have become heirs, heirs, that we are sons and daughters to that wonderful, wonderful God, that he has made us a way that not only are we accepted, cleaned up, you know, we're heirs. We're heirs like the prodigal son was an heir. We're special. He has opened a way for us, which really ought to kind of blow your mind. And I, you know, we're going to talk a bit about, you know, do we really understand this? It, it was, you know, shocking. Really, it is shocking that he offers this to us. But it's still a choice, a huge one. So this is we're going to we're going to pivot a little bit and. Um, I'm hoping I'm not going to make people too uncomfortable, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> so there's this, you know, we, it's, it's, we have a faith of free will. We can accept God's invitation or we can reject it. And, you know, there's the invitation of accepting his salvation. There's, always the, there's also the invitation to accept and continue to accept him as father and it's a big one and you know it's it's something you know i'm just kind of thinking about some of my own struggles and issues you know it's a choice that we make so if you're you know there's this idea of 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 a mindset right we have a mindset it's a fixed mental attitude or disposition that determines our, our responses and interpretations of situations i have it okay so this particular truth Um, produces one of two things. It produces a mindset of an heir or it produces a mindset of an orphan. And I know there's probably been conversations about, um, I think that's some of the stuff that probably your mom did with this this idea of an orphan's mindset. But what's an orphan's mindset? A mindset where you never feel you belong, so you're constantly looking for a place of love and unconditional acceptance, having to perform to earn love. Okay? That's an orphan mindset. That is what we do when we're not in touch with unconditional love. The air mindset is despite our past, current, and future circumstances, as Philip Yancey said, there's nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Okay? so there is, there's this choice. And um, it's a huge choice. And I, as I said, I think it's like, a, occasionally it's a daily choice. So that's the invitation, and this is what I want to say. We must, we must seek and embrace the relationship uh, with the Father made open through Jesus. And I'm, I can't say this any more clearly. And this felt like you know this is what God kept waking me up. It's like if you do not enter into a relationship with the God the Father, where you are in touch with own and understand that you are a son or daughter of his, unconditionally loved, hardly perfect, but in touch with who he is and what you mean to him, you will have anxiety, pain, struggles, and strife in your life. And we're going to get into some real-life examples of that in a minute, but this this is basic. This is foundational. You will not be healthy and whole if you don't do this. You won't. So you know, it's, it's like you know oh, the father thing, touchy feely. I'm telling you, again, I had a great dad. I still went through this process. I I looked at it, and 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm we're gonna I'm gonna use some content from, um, and there's there are other people that do this, but in the bookstore we have um, this Shiloh Place Ministries a guy named Jack Frost, who unfortunately is has since died. But uh, uh, Jack and Tricia Frost, uh, they they have a book called. Um, uh, uh, from Slavery to Sonship, which is all about this, but it's, this is, this is key. You must reject the orphan mindset that our fallen nature thrives in our culture and holds us captive. You need to recognize when it's happening. You need to address it. You need to understand it. If you behave a certain way, you can't just say, well, that's how I am. Right? It, it, it's, this is an opportunity. It's an invitation, but it's basic. You want to be used of God in a way which is, you know, where that burden is really light, where, you know, where you can go into situations and feel his good pleasure and not have all your buttons pressed. This is key. This is foundational to spiritual, emotional health. And you will never truly be whole if you don't do this. You won't. I'm just delivering, I felt like the message that God laid on my heart is you will not be whole. You won't. And, you know, it's like you think about it, it's like, okay, so we've accepted two-thirds of the Trinity. Except this one piece. Because it's too hard. It's too confusing. you know. Or, you know, I didn't like my dad. I don't like that. I don't like angry God. I, it's not, you know, you understand that, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. I'm not saying it's not, that it won't be um, emotional or challenging, but what I am saying is, it's really not optional. It's really not optional, and it's one of those things where I think, you know, if you want to get out of the bondage, you need to, you know, you need to kind of put your feet to it. So we're going I'm gonna go through a little. Um, I had 20 of these, so it's a good thing I cut it back last night. Um, <laughs> Um, what does this look like? You know, so, okay, I get it, I get it, all right, this is important stuff. Um, but, you know, I don't really think I have that problem. I, you know, I think I'm pretty good on this front. Maybe, maybe not. So let me, let me throw a couple things at you um, which will help you to think through um, kind of how an orphan mindset works and how an heir mindset works. And this is just more, um, this is just more food for thought. This is just to help you to say, well, maybe, maybe I don't have this down, or no, now I understand how this plays out. So let's talk about a couple of things. Um, So the image of God. The orphan looks at God as a taskmaster that must be constantly appeased with devotionals, prayers, and sacrifices. You got a job, okay? He's the boss. An heir a father that unconditionally loves us and works with us where we are at. Okay? And so, the, you know, again, sort of try to think about, oh, how do I think about this? Another one. Dependency. And some of these might be a little uncomfortable, so I apologize, but I think it's good. Dependency. An orphan. In- independent, self-relying, depending upon their gifts, talents, intellect, and anointing, convinced that they cannot trust anyone else and must get it themselves. Okay, so it also... I want you to be clear about what I'm saying. When I said, you know, you will not be whole, you will not be complete. You can go to seminary. You can volunteer at the church 24-7. You can be on the platform. You can can be working in the mission field and not on this, okay? And you will strive and you will be uncomfortable and you will be unhappy. I'm not saying you can't have success. But if you want to thrive and have, you know, sort of in this, in this context, interdependent, connected to the community of love that God and the body of Christ offer, and open to the Father's love to flow to them and through them, can you receive? Can you receive? Are you capable of being in a community of people and, 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 and having somebody give you something, having somebody love you, understanding that you're all in it together? I can't tell you how many people that Kathy and I have talked to in the last six months that are sort of suffering in plain sight. People who um, are part of Christian communities but can't be vulnerable with others. It's, you know, it, it, there's something not, not okay with that. Okay? There's you know, th- this idea of community. I, mean, I was talking to a, a guy recently, and he's going through a terrible time. And he's got no one. He's got no one. He doesn't want to tell anybody about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. And he just wants to figure it out. You know, God created community. God created congregations, a community of believers so that we could help each other. And we will never enter into that if we always think that, well, I just got to do it myself. I can't be dependent on anybody that kind of leads in for motive for service. Why do you serve? Not you know, being browbeat, it's one thing. But um, you know, why, do you, why do you really serve? Is it out of a sense for personal achievement? Are you trying to impress God? This can manifest itself in hyper-religious activity. And it, you know you talk about pastors and leaders in the church who burn out. They burn out because after some point in time, it's too much to bear. You become cynical and apathetic. You know, it's not worth it. Like, I'm just not going to kill myself for nothing. But if you're, if you're driven out of a deep sense of gratitude um, for, for what God's already done for you, if you're so in touch with him and you just feel his good pleasure, it's easy. And if you, you, you just naturally have this ability, which, frankly, he puts in you, to give. When an orphan looks to get something in return, you know, if I work hard, will I be noticed? Will I get a spot on leadership? Will I, you know, will I get to stand in front of the people? Will, will, will somebody affirm me, right? Will somebody say, oh, look, you're spiritual. You're good. You're okay. When people who understand how God feels about them, frankly, don't need that. They don't need it. Okay, motive for purity. This one, I, because I have some. Um, this is this is a pretty deep one, uh, for, uh, for, I think, and for me, it's something that um, I've asked God continually to sort of explain and 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 give and give me more insight into, and, and give me more um, just more ability in. So an orphan needs to be pure because, well, they, they, they just need to earn God's, you know, they, 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 they can't have any uh, uh, judgment, you, you know, they just need to win them over, right? They need to be perfect. And there's, I'm not saying that we all, shouldn't all pursue purity, we all should, um, but the motivation is just like, I need to be good enough, I need to be good enough, I need to be good enough. And you know what? A lot of days, we're not good enough. But if the mindset is just performance-based, it's pretty hard. And when you fall, it's just like you're getting hit with a ton of bricks, and you feel terrible. And you know, you're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Um, Don't you know? uh." But this is the thing that I think is, is to me, is um, something I've prayed for years. If you're in touch with how God feels about you, you want to be pure because you want to be closer to him okay? you know that he you know that it separates separates him from you it's like you know i don't i don't you know i don't you know th- this particular sin that I like to do feels good it's it sad you know it 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 does something for me that I enjoy I'm not going to tell you that's not true, it is I just tell you that the consequences of that are toxic and and ultimately will hurt you. And you. You know, you can't tell a drug addict that taking drugs isn't you know isn't enjoyable. It is. It's a physical reality. Okay? What you can't tell him is like that's going to be bad for you. That's going to hurt you. But in that moment, you're like, wow. You know, what makes you stop? It's got to be something else. So, what makes you pursue purity? You know, I just mean, pay God. I want to feel how you feel. I want to understand better why this thing is bad because, in, in, in the moment, it's pleasant. But what's, help me to understand the full cycle. Help me to understand how you feel about it. Help me to understand, you know, what, what so I can explain to others why it's worth not doing. And as part of that is, you only get that if you're kind of in touch with Him. You know, it's like we were singing that song, Break My Hearts with the Thing that Break Yours. That's a pretty frightening prayer to pray. And if that's ever happened to anybody, just out of curiosity, has anybody ever, ever felt the burden of God? Show of hands, anybody can relate to that? Yeah. It's like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> Why did I do that? You know, so this this idea of, you know, pursuing purity because... One, you want to be closer to God, and you know that the, to the extent that you can wholeheartedly pursue him and stay clean, you know, clean hands and a pure heart, that you enter in more deeply and more fully, and that's great, and that's, that's everything. But also that, it, you know, just the wisdom. You know, and it's not all about, you know, I just got to be good enough. I don't think we particularly, I think God is impressed with our, our, our weak attempts to love him more than anything we do. relationships i 'm sorry uh, the orphan competition, rivalry, jealousy, um, inability to rejoice over the advancements of others that if you feel like if you 're not on top you 're not being respected you 're not being valued you, 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 you know you you need to win <laughs> now as a pretty competitive person, I can certainly relate to this, and I have certainly in my lifetime had um, Probably everything on that table, is <laughs> on the, uh, something I had to work through. But you know, if this is, you know, if you—it's one thing to be competitive, but if if you can't be happy when somebody else is successful, that says something. Okay? If you can't, um, you know, if your first reaction was, "I don't deserve it," I deserve, you know, then, but you don't say it's like, "Oh, I deserve it." <laughs> Why didn't I get that? You know, that's that's a real hard issue. You know, an heir is motivated by humility and sincerely rejoice in the blessings. And this is, this is key. I mean, I can, I can tell you that as, as I've walked through this and had victory in it, I've been in a place where I've been like, wow, you know, I'm really happy. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm, and I'm not just like, I'm happy. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> it's like, you know, I am secure in who I am. They can do well. I don't, you know, I don't need to take something from them. I can't I don't have to make this about me. I can just be happy for them. Again, that's a heart condition. View of authority. Another biggie. An orphan, especially if they've had bad experience with um, with uh, with authority will view any authority with suspicion and probably uh, resent it. You know, they they, they will not submit easily, they, they well why, I don't, you know. And I'm not saying you should be um, not careful about who you submit to, but um, part of submission to authority is, is you know, that's the, the word, and as Paul says, and I think I've actually taught on this before, it's like getting underneath and pushing somebody up. Okay, it is, it is you know, you are not just um, doing what they tell you to do, you are wholeheartedly embracing that person and doing all you can to see them successful, and you're doing that out of a place of, of, of love. In 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 the church, that's that is supposed to be the model of authority and submission. And I'm not saying that you know the pastors are perfect. <laughs> We've got two great ones, but you know we all we all are you know imperfect, fallen human beings. So it's not you know it's not like well everything they made they made a mistake. Let me down. Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter. You know, people who are in touch with God and say, or are in, are in Him, and, you know, God has moved Kathy and I around a lot. And I've just never had a problem with this particular one, um, probably because I played sports for so long. Uh, you just, but I've seen so many people shipwrecked by this. I can't tell you the people that we've kind of said, you know, you know, you're, you're like, you know, you see someone in a spiritual walk is they're questioning everything, right? You know, to the point where you're like, listen, we were planting a church three years ago and now you're telling me you don't know if you believe in God. What happened? And, it's all, and a lot of times it's like, well, I just couldn't, this guy, or this, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm like, that's it? That's what you sacrificed, your faith, your relationship, because you got, you know, you, you, you work with someone you couldn't, you had a hard time working with? That's sad. But it happens a lot. And so this is, again, one of these hard issues you really need to kind of keep, keep your eye on. I think this is the last one. Sense of God's presence. If sensed at all, <laughs> and then, you know, if you're really tied up with a, with a wrong view of God, um, and you keep, like, waving your hand at him saying, come. Do it the way I like it or do it so I, you know, he's he, not a respecter of persons, unfortunately. I'm sorry. He's merciful and he's, and I can never say never because I've always been surprised at the mercy and the grace of God, but demanding God do something for you, I have personally not had a lot of success with that, with that approach. <laughs> and I have seen very few people otherwise, and I know plenty of people who have, if he really cared, he would do X, Y, and Z. Okay. Um, but, you know, if, if, if God feels distant, and if you feel like, well, you know what? If I burn a candle, I put on a, you know, a, a Bethel CD, <laughs> I, I fast for 45 days, I give all my money away to somebody, and, you know, maybe I, uh, you know, bring 17 homeless people to live in my basement. Maybe. Maybe, maybe God will come visit me. Hey, okay. it's not—it's not, it's not Him. It's not Him. Not how He operates. And air has discovered that He's there all the time. He's there all the time. Um. Orphans question whether God loves them. Heirs, no, they, no, he does. We have this, uh, this funny story. I think I'm, actually, I think I may have told this one before, too. But there was, um, we were somewhere, and there was some, some pretty um, senior Christian folks. I think it was like Heidi Baker and, and um, Mike Bickle. And, but there were like four or five of these people, and we had an opportunity to sort of talk with them a little bit. Uh, we were listening to them. They were in like a panel discussion kind of thing. And somebody asked them, they said, you know, okay, which one of you is God's favorite? And they all raised their hand. And they were all right. They were all right. They were all like, yeah, you know, it's like, a, it's okay. You know, again, sort of that, air. I'm his, I know I'm his favorite. I know how he feels about me. And you think that too? That's, that's great. But I know God is crazy about me. I understand who he is. I know how he feels about me. And, you know, when you have that relationship, you can find him anywhere, in any place. You can be constantly connected to him. And we've, you know, you can, you know, I've, I've had, I've had, I've had heady spiritual experiences in corporate boardrooms. They weren't necessarily welcome, I might add, but, <laughs> but, but they were there, okay, and, and and I, you know, it's the more you open yourself up, it's, you know, he's a, he has a personality. He will, he, will, he will pop into your life in ways you can't even imagine. But if you, make, if you make yourself open and a platform to him and you understand how he feels about you, it's part of this beautiful relationship you have with this tender God, not the angry God, not the one you have to perform for, Again, he has high standards for it. But when we start to push forward in purity and in love, to love him and exchange that love, the things that we struggle with usually melt away. And we have victory in things where it's like, well, you helped me through this. And you do it because you want to be close to him and you don't want to break that communion. So let's bring it all home. Uh, How are we doing for time? <laughs> um, I'm just going to wrap it. It's more of a summary, but uh, just some, I, I've got just one one uh, short story here because I, I do want to I I want to just hammer the point home that this isn't really an optional thing. I think I've, tr- I've tried to sort of pl- explain to you why you want to do it and if you're if this is an issue, but it's it's this is not optional. You want, to, you want to be part of God's kingdom, and you want to thrive and grow, you must, you must, you must get a handle on this. Okay, being a father and fathering are different, but both are important. Um, our culture and personal experiences can distort our ability to rightly see the father. Uh, Jesus has made a way to the Father. That is incredibly good news. Study the parable of the prodigal son. That this is foundational. Um, the thing we went through with Aaron Orphan is a is a real commentary on the state of our hearts. If you go through some of these, you know, some of this content, and you start to look at, you know, kind of your your your, your mindset your predispositions, how you think, how you behave, how you feel about things. This tells you a lot about where you're at. We are offered a position as heirs, but we often settle to be orphans. It's sad, I mean, it's sad, sad, sad. You know, we all have the stories about the people that stay in bondage, that never move forward. Um, God doesn't want a nation of robots, although that seems to be the bogue right now, but he's not, He's not looking for a nation of robots. You know, there's a, one of the Wendy Alec books. They call it the fire of free will. You know, all, all, when, when, when Adam is born, all the angels in heaven are like, what did he do? What did he do? He gave them free will. Does he know what they might do? Yeah, he did. He did. God gives us the opportunity to make, I would say, relatively easy decisions to follow him or really dumb ones to give him the Heisman, block him, not not, um, not, accept the free gift. And this is part of the gospel message. Part of the gospel message is not only that we've been saved from our sins, but that Jesus has made a way to us through the Father. So which are you and um, what are you going to do about it? And I've mentioned some, some resources uh we don't have time, and my intent was, I really felt like, what God wanted me to do was just to throw the seed out there. Um, what will you do with this? I mean, th- even if you feel like you really own this, I challenge you today on Father's Day, take a good look at it. Take a hard look at it. You know, I think it's one of these things that we—that that is basic, but, you know, we get so... And this this is going to probably sound horrible. We get so hung up on Jesus, which is really a good thing, okay? <laughs> you know, we, it's it, it's really a good thing, and they all are one, and you know, one shows us the other. But there is something about this, and there are ministries that that specialize in this. Um, I know that um, Elijah House out in Spokane uh, teaches on this. It's a personality. It's a part of God that. We really need to understand better, and we really need to get in touch with, and it it will change your life. It will absolutely change your life. I'm going to end there. Um, I'll just pray for you quickly. And you know, if uh, if there's an opportunity somewhere down the road to talk about this more in depth, and probably a small group setting or something like that. Um, you know, let us know if there's something of interest to you. Um, but You know, it's been a great Father's Day. And um, I'm just going to pray that, that, Lord, you would touch the hearts of everybody here. That is, that you are zealous. And you are jealous to have your children know you rightly and to know you well. And that you long to make us healthy and whole and close to you. So that not just because you can use us, because you delight in us. And we sang all those songs this morning. You're a good, good father. And you are. But may we today and going forward understand and embrace that at such a level that we can walk in freedom and we can walk in victory, and we can bless all those in our families and all those in our community around us, and that people would say of us here, that's a healthy and happy group of people. And I just thank you that you have revealed to us, through Jesus, the depths of your love. That this isn't, you know, a way you talk to us or a way you position yourself. This is who you are. You are our father. And it is good news beyond belief. And we thank you and we pray that that would be emblazoned on our heart. And that you give us the, the relationships, the tools, the opportunities that we could delve deep into that mystery and into that truth and move forward and become closer and closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.